when you're tired of relationships try a romance we're talking movies we're talking true romance starring christian slater patricia arquette and christopher walken directed by tony scott and written by quentin tarantino now we're gonna have a little q a and at the risk of sounding redundant please make your answers genuine all right because this is uh, a tarantino style film i mean it's written by tarantino I, of course, am coming with two quotes today. The first one is classic true romance. I like you, Clarence. Always have, always will. And my other favorite quote or line, Elliot, do I look like a beautiful blonde with big tits and an ass that tastes like vanilla ice cream? Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of How'd You Like That Movie? And today, we are taking on the cult classic written by Quentin Tarantino, True Romance. Scott, take us away. Well, actually, this was my first time ever watching this film. What? I've never seen this film before. It's always on. It was always one of those films that were just literally... Like, I'm going to get to it, right? Like, I'm going to watch it, and then fucking shit happens, and I never never got to it and yeah this was my first time whoa whoa, whoa. How, how how did you leave uh like you're you're into action stuff you like tony scott's work right oh yeah i'm a big tony scott fan right like you know with the exception of top gun he, he's fuck done you. a lot of good <laughs> fuck you you piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> greatest movie ever made top gun actually i would say last boy scout is way better than top gun Yes, Last, Last Boy Scout is a fantastic... No, but fuck you. I'm not engaging in that... I, ooh, I'm too close to missiles, switching to guns. I'm not engaging in that conversation right now. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just... I don't know. I think it was just one of those, like, in terms of when this movie came out and where I was in terms of my maturity level. Like, technically, I was 12 when this movie came out originally. Okay. And then... So you know, again, and, and again, I don't my radar. I don't. I don't want to was... have a huge Tarantino conversation with you. But did, were you were you watching Tarantino films around that time? Yeah, I watched Last Re- Last Res- or Reservoir Dogs. Sorry. Yeah, um, I was thinking of something else. But and it was, and so that, but that wasn't enough to get you to go and watch uh, <laughs> a film written by him, but obviously directed by somebody else. Well, that's the thing. At the time, at twelve, I wasn't really following in terms of film being like. Gotcha. I, I was following more. Okay, if it's said director, like directed by, right? Like, and that's the thing. Don't get me wrong. Like Tarantino is a great director, but he is an amazing writer. Fucking right, he is. I think, and I, th- I do hope once he gets his little ten films and then I'm done, kind of thing, that he continues to to write. Like, if you look at the films he's just written but not directed this film from dust till dawn which is one of my favorites yep four rooms that's hilarious yep he conceived the story of natural born killers yeah which he hates by the way really yeah he hates he, he just hates the way it got developed and stuff like that at the time he said he was fine with it but he just doesn't really like it and i mean i don't know if you know but kind of this movie and natural born killers all kind of came out of the same screenplay uh and and i'm not talking actually about uh, my best friend's wedding, but they had, he had, he had like this like 120 page screenplay that got pulled apart. Some of it became 
uh, My Best Friend's Wedding, which is a 16 millimeter short film he did in 1987. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, And then obviously some of that stuff turned into true romance. And then some of that other stuff that was left over uh, became Mickey and Mallory Knox in uh, Natural Born Killers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you're right. But and he also pumped up, uh, punched up the dialogue on Crimson Tide and and The Rock, which are both fucking un unbelievable fucking films. And again, you I almost feel like if you go back go in, you could probably pick out the dialogue that he's touched, right? Because it always has like a pop culture reference or music re- and music references or nerdy kind of stuff. Film like he has he has a way that he manipulates dialogue. You know what I mean? that's what i was saying like he is an amazing writer and i hope because he only has what one film left right mm-hmm. out of first 10 because you know the kill bill counts as one but uh yeah so i hope he continues writing at least i don't know you're the one that like you know stalks him yeah i mean he, window, and he does he's but... been, been writing he writes like novel versions of his screenplays and actually i think i think actually natural born killers is enough is one of the ones where at the time, because he typically always creates a novel of his a film that he's written, he he didn't have the rights, so they wouldn't let him uh, make a novel off of Natural Born Killers, and he was not too fucking happy about that. So, do you have a favorite Tarantino film, or just and again, like I said, I don't want to dwell too much specifically on Tarantino, other than the stuff that directly goes to True Romance. Well, in terms of films, he he's just written no no written directed fucking anything yeah, in, yeah, in I his was gonna say. um reservoir dogs for sure yep you know that reservoir dogs and, got and, made hey you know that reservoir dogs got made because of this movie right well that that'd be kind of hard because he technically made that movie first then written this no 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 that movie he made <laughs> that movie but this movie got released after so Tarantino got paid, I think it was $50,000 for his screenplay for True Romance, which yeah, he then which took. Yeah, which was the minimum. Yeah, yeah, which was the minimum that he could get paid from the Writers Guild. And he took that money and helped use it to fund uh, uh, Reservoir Dogs. Brain fart there. Uh, so, yeah. So, and then because Reservoir Dogs became the, like, kind of hit. And, I mean, not necessarily, like, it was a critical hit. wasn't so much a financial hit. Um it made him kind of like someone that people wanted to be attached to his work. Right. So, um, like I said, reservoir dogs is one of the main reasons this film got made. Okay. Yeah. yeah, That made sense. You said the reverse first. You said true romance was one of the reasons. Oh, sorry. Sorry, man. Sorry. sorry, (laughs) That's why I was like, that's kind of hard if, you know, unless he went, he used that 50 K to build a time machine and go back. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, Natural Born Killer, or sorry, uh, Reservoir Dogs is is your favorite or one of your favorites? One of my favorites, I would say. Kill Bill is the second one. That's the one I appreciate. Both of them, the most. or is there a specific yeah. Kill Bill? Yeah, no, I like them both. Like I like watching it like full for like beginning, like to as end, if it's right? like, like one, one four time. hour long movie. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because that story arc, and I wish he goes back to like the ninja, like the old seventies like kung fu movies, but. I doubt that's going to be his last one. We'll see, man. I mean, he likes to do homages to films and everything. Uh, Personally, like, if I had to pick two, uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in in Hollywood, I think, is his um, opus maximus. Like, it is his perfect piece of work. Uh, I can watch that over and over. It has all the things I like about Tarantino in it. I like all his stuff for different reasons. Uh, But I really love the B-movie quality of Death Proof. 
which, you know, was made <laughs> as part of the Grindhouse series with Robert Rodriguez, which is, uh, it's just so awesome. I mean, even the film I just, I just shot, uh, I tried to mimic some of those elements, the cars, the, the, the like low angle shots and stuff like that. And like, it's just a fun, it's a fun movie and it, it really has that like drive in movie theater kind of quality or whatever. No, I, yeah, that one's good. I enjoy uh, it. I enjoy it. Um, before we, yeah. before we like kind of dive into the individual, like this fucking cast is off the fucking hook, right? Like just, just like the brief, the brief notes on this. So you've got Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hoffer, Christopher Walken, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, James Gandolfini, uh, Val Kilmer, Samuel L. Jackson, Chris Penn, Tom Sizemore, Michael Rappaport, Pinochet Bronson, and Saul Rubnick. Like that, and. I'm, I probably still miss people, but and, like I had to like write an entire sheet just on like the fucking cast of this movie. I was gonna say like Chris Penn, you missed. No, I got Chris Penn. Did you? Yeah, oh, as okay. Officer Dimes. Officer oh. Dimes, I want to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> Someone come and get me. <laughs> so, what could you... you imagine the uh, if this film was made now with the exact same cast? What kind of budget? Just in casting. Oh yeah, that like if, you, if if it was like just the dollars and cents, that it wouldn't get moved. And I mean, it, because, it would make sense why Samuel Jackson's only in it for two minutes. Right? Yeah, and I mean, That's you would also or or that. like Brad Pitt sitting on the couch, like improvising most of his stoner lines. Um, well, and the dialogue, like there's there's so much stuff in there that you yet again with early Tarantino stuff you just don't get away with anymore. Uh, what, okay, what's your what's your big takeaway on this movie? Like, because otherwise I'll monopolize the fucking conversation. No, okay, but like, what do you mean in terms of big takeaway? How'd you like it? You know, what, what... I enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed it a lot. Like, to me, like now watching it, like this is one of my favorite Gary Oldman performances. Yeah, he like... thinks so too. It's it's one of the top. <laughs> yeah. It's in his like top two or three, depending on like when you ask him that question. But yeah, Gary Oldman, his character, he uh, Drexel Drexel the the pimp. It, it's one of his favorite characters. He actually even talked about at one point. Have, doing a whole film centered around Drexel. Oh, that would be well. I don't think he can do it now, but in terms of yeah, from what I read, like doing the research on this, like he literally just got a call from Tony Scott because he hadn't read the script, and he was just like, "You're a white guy who thinks he's black, and you're a pimp." Yeah, and he was like, "All right, I'll do it." <laughs> so that that character is—it's funny. Like it's actually referenced on TV in. Uh, did you watch uh, Barry with Bill Hader, like his show Barry? Uh, I watched like yeah, I've watched some of the first season, but I've never actually continued. So there's there's a scene in the first season. So and for those of you who haven't watched Barry, go watch it. It's super hilarious. Uh, he shows up to an acting class, and he he's supposed to be there to kill this dude, and he accidentally ends up on stage as like a scene partner. And the scene they're doing is the scene between Drexel and Clarence, right? Where it's like, you know, there's titties on the screen and you're not even paying attention. And like that whole Mr. Majestic and stuff like that. And Barry, again, because he just comes on the, on, on the stage and he's like an assassin, isn't an actor. He's just like frozen. And the other dude gets so mad because he's like, oh, you fucked up my whole scene. What kind of scene partner are you? Anyway, it's just like... Next time, if you go and uh, if you're going back and if depending on if you've passed it or if you uh, get back into watching season one, you'll see that scene and it'll just it just makes me chuckle anytime I see tro- true romance referenced in pop up your culture. Like even um, the show Euphoria, also on HBO uh, by Sam Levingston and Zendaya, which who we covered in Malcolm and Marie. Uh, 
one of the characters dresses up as Alabama Whirly for Halloween or whatever. She looks fucking crazy hot too because that's a it's the the costume with that she's wearing when uh, uh, Christian Slater has or uh, her husband there has uh, sex with her in the the phone booth and she's wearing the little like cow uh, skirt or whatnot. Anyway, like I said, I need to stop talking about this crazy hot girl in Euphoria. Anyway, Scott, let's uh, let's get back on track. Let's talk about Tony Scott. All right, yeah, like. Well, he passed away. He did. You don't know, unfortunately. How did he pass away? To be honest, I didn't check. Like, I just saw that he did pass, and I didn't want to look too much into it in case it was anything bad. But So, Tony Scott died by suicide August 2012 by jumping off the Vincent Thomas Bridge in L.A. He was 68 years old. So, good thing I didn't check. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty sad. I mean, uh, you know, his brother... Yeah, his brother's still doing fine. You know what I mean? Oh, doing fine, I'm sure. He misses his brother. Uh, well, <laughs> what I mean is, like, I mean, and there, I couldn't find much information on whether it was, like, depression or if he'd found out about, a like, a terminal illness or something like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's really unfortunate. I mean, he's kind of responsible for some, some pretty big deal films. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, we were talking before, like, some of them. Some of my favorite action films he he has his finger on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Such as? The Last Boy Scout, like I said. Yeah. Days of Thunder, which is a way better. Him and Tom. <laughs> it's just Top Gun with fucking NASCAR. But it's way much better because, you know, he had the tires. That's why he could do the outside turn. <laughs> he had the special fucking tires. <laughs> um... And, him and him and Nicole Kim are way more believable than him and the older teacher. Okay. Because that right there. So actually, I want to. So that's uh, Kelly McGillis. So do you. Okay. Do you remember the scene in Top Gun where they do the whole take my breath away and it's all shot in like shadows. It's like a sex scene in the shadows. With like the white like curtains or something. Yes. There's a scene almost exactly like that in fucking true romance at the beginning. Like when when uh, Clarence in Alabama first started having sex. And I noticed it uh, yesterday when I was reviewing the film for the podcast. I was like, motherfucker, use the same like cheesy ass, take my breath away fucking shooting style with his cinematographer, which by the way, his DP Jeffrey Kimball was the same DOP on Top Gun. So I'm like, they're like, ah, fuck it. It works. Just put some naked shit, make some fucking put some music over top of it. Do some shadows. We're fucking rocking and rolling, baby. Well, I was going to say I believe you didn't get to see Tom Cruise's ass in Top Gun, but you, you definitely saw Christian Slater's ass in this one. <laughs> and you see some right? movies. So, so it wasn't the same movies. scene. So it wasn't the same scene. They they raced it up a little bit. They went from the PG-13 right to the R. Well, basically, Patricia Arquette looks like she's about to give him a blowy, man. She's like kissing. I was like, whoa, this is fucking some. Well, I mean, it is R-rated. Um I mean, I like, I like, I mean, like, I like a bunch of Tony Scott's work, right? Like, I like uh, all the stuff that you said, but Crimson Tide, as we talked about, Tarantino bumped up some of the dialogue on that. And um, I mean, uh, what's his name? Do, 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 do. Uh, James Galfoni. Uh, how do you say his last name? Gandafilni? The guy from Sopranos. Yeah. How do you say his last name? I know we fuck up people's James names. James the- Yes. Anyway, he's also in Crimson Tide. Um, Enemy of the State was good. Fucking Spy Game with Brad Pitt. Awesome. Man on Fire. And I mean, he also directed the music video to Kenny Loggins. Danger Zone! (laughs) (laughs) My ears fucking hurt. Um, 
the one that's because you feel the need for speed scotty yeah, I don't. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, the one that you actually didn't mention, which I'm surprised, is the fan with uh, De Niro. And yeah, Snipes. I don't know. I hadn't seen it in a long time. I remember when I first saw it, I was like, eh, not my favorite. It was fucking weird, man. Well, uh, the the way I liked it was kind of the flip, right? You'd figure it would have been De Niro, right, as the star and and Wesley Snipes. Instead of the stalker? Like, yeah. And then the way they they kind of flip that, like in terms of the like casting, I think I think it's one of his better films. And obviously, Deja Vu and Man of Fire, him and because he worked with Denzel Washington like four times, I think that's the actor he worked the most with. Okay, if I'm not mistaken, from what I remember with him, uh, I didn't. I know there was a little like graph of like who who he works with all the time, and I didn't I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. So. Well, good thing you do a fucking podcast that's supposed to be informational. Fuck, I mean, I have another <laughs> yeah. person I'm supposed to be doing this fucking podcast with. And I, and technically you're supposed to bounce it off me and be like, Scott, you're so fucking right. Like, I'm glad you did the research on this one. Scott, you're so fucking right. I'm glad you did the research on this. <laughs> but um, in terms of the cast, like, right around when this movie come, came out, like, Christian Slayer was fucking one of my favorite actors which is surprising that i missed this movie when it came out because he was coming off like the amazing wizard uh yeah and heathers heathers was like one of the major major reasons he got uh cast in this right um i mean christian slater i actually expected christian slater to become a much bigger actor and i know that sound but i mean like more of a like a leading man like a brad pitt um, I mean, he's got that Jack Nicholson kind of way he speaks and he's really animated. And I don't know if some of his problems in his youth, like, and by youth, I mean, in his youth in the, in Hollywood, um, uh, with drugs and stuff, maybe put a, a bit of a, as you would say, kibosh on it. Um, because he, he, he's done some good stuff. I mean, he's got uh, a golden globe nod in H he's got, he's won a golden globe and he has two nods for TV. And I think that was all for Mr. Robot. Um, but like you said, he, he did, he was in Tucker. The, the Man in His Dreams, which uh, actually my family has some weird, loose relationship to the the original Tucker Car Guy. That's why I put it on my list. Uh, as you said. <laughs> so so instead, of, so instead of your Canadian connection, you're like, well, technically. I'm Canadian, I'm just gonna so throw... that counts. Still counts. Um, so we're going to throw this random out where, where I'm who, Tucker. Who was he in The Wizard? Was he the like the kind of like cool kid brother. with the glove? Or was the older no, brother? He was the he was the older brother, and then that went on the road trip, like with the dad to find him. Oh, okay. and then all of a sudden he brought the Nintendo, and he got like hooked on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. Gotcha. Um, Gleam in the Cube is fucking dope, man. I think Tony Hawk's in that. Uh, Pump up the volume. Robin Hood, mobsters, and like that's all his like stuff in like the the eighties, nineties, or whatever. Or I yeah, guess it's cuffs. early nineties. Uh, what's that? I know you love cuffs, eh? <laughs> Oh, okay. I did love cuffs, right? And I loved pump up, pump up the volume too. So he's also done some interesting film work. Uh, so he did the film Nymphomaniacs, which is by Lars von Trier, who always does like fucking really really weird stuff. Uh, and King Cobra, where he basically plays like a gay porn. I don't know, like predator almost, like a, a predatory porn male gay porn producer. Uh, which has like the Fra- James Franco in it, and it's fucking super crazy. And actually, like, I mean, he's a fantastic actor. He can really hold his own. Um, I mean, I, I, it would have been nice to see him do some more big, you know, A list type stuff. But I mean, Zem's the breaks. You know what I mean? Uh, he was just in one of Netflix's most 
fucking streamed movies of 2020 that which one sequel sequels already been announced which, which is? is can be we can be heroes oh i saw that yeah it's like animated or something isn't it no it's like it's is Robert it... Rodriguez that has a connection to Quentin, but it's like the Lava Girl, Lava Girl Shark. I don't know. My kids watched it. Lava Girl Shark Girl Boy or something like that. Well, like it, all grown it's up. Kinda, it's kind of weird that Rodriguez also made like a, a, like a big splash with what Spy Kids, right? Like on one hand, you've got. It's like a continuation uh, you know, of that Spy Kids. Yeah, stuff, but on yeah. one hand, you've got like Sin City, Planet Terror. And on another, you've got fucking Spy Kids. So, I mean, and then whatever the movie that you're talking about. So, but uh, which is like a continue same universe, I think. Oh, is it the same universe? Okay. Well, I, I mean, so. you, you're a family guy. No wonder you know that stuff. Yeah, uh, fuck you. Do you want to talk about Patric- Patricia Arquette at all or what? Oh, that was the thing. Like with her, the only thing I knew her of, right? Even like, obviously, she's a well known actress, but. Nightmare on Elm Street three. Yep, I fucking totally forgot she would. Be, she was in that movie. Yeah, like I remember her from there, and then literally, the last thing I remember was the one, and it took me a while to remember it, but it was like Stigmata, the one with Gabriel Byrne, where she's yep. like, "Is she possessed? Not possessed?" kind of thing. But yeah, like she's an amazing actress, and I know Tony, Tony Scott. I was, yep. I was gonna dig gave her. A pink Cadillac after this yes, movie he did. was I done. think he gave her a purple. That, he, he gave her yeah, that Cadillac, purple. wasn't it? Yeah, it was something like that. I was like, but he gave her a Cadillac to match. So I, I actually just want to talk about Stigmata because there's this like interesting, weird connection. So the DOP on Stigmata was Jeffrey Kimball, right? So Patricia Arquette was in that. Uh, and then Christian Slater's first big film debut is called The Legend of Billie Jean, which was also DOP'd by Jeffrey Kimball. So it's one of those weird, you know, universes, small world Hollywood or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't think it's weird because how many movies get made in a year? So, <laughs> Well, and especially back in back in the olden days like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you're right. Like Patricia Arquette. So she's got an Oscar. She's got a BAFTA. She's got three Golden Globes, two Emmys. Like fucking heavy hitter, man. Um, she's done stuff as, as like kind of offbeat as like Lost Highway and Ed Wood. Uh, and bring out the dead where she uh, met, that's where she met Nicholas Cage, who she later married for a short period of time. Uh, and then she won her Oscar for boy, uh, boyhood and she's done really well in TV with medium and the act. So like I said, all around solid actor, which is crazy to think that uh, she wasn't the first choice for this film. Really? Who was Drew Barrymore, but she wasn't available. I mean, I think Drew, Drew Barrymore would have been a very interesting choice, especially at that point in Drew's life, because she was a bit of a wild child, right? I was going to say, how old would Drew Barrymore have been at that time? Uh, I don't know, but, like, I mean, she was always kind of acting above her age, except for in, like, E.T. and stuff, you know? Well, yeah, I don't think she can really act above her age when she's supposed to play a six-year-old in <laughs> fucking E.T. <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> um. Like and so I don't want I don't want to get to obviously Christopher Walken is in this and Dennis Hopper Dennis Hopper you know plays Clifford Worley he's got two Oscar nods two Golden Globes one Emmy nod like he he you know he's in like classic films like Rebel Without a Cause Cool Hand Luke True Grit the original Apocalypse Now um, Blue Velvet you know and then shitty films like Waterworld like I thought was shitty but he you know this is also he was an Easy Rider and was one of the writers which is like 
the definitive uh, outlaw film, counterculture film of the 60s. You know what I mean? Like, the guy was a notorious drug addict and stuff like that. So you got a heavy hitter like him, and then he goes up against Christopher Walken, who, I mean, we've talked about on this show before because I think when we, probably when we covered what, Wedding Crashers? It would have been the last time we talked about the Walken. And Did so that, walk here? that scene between Christopher Walken, who plays uh, Vin... Vincenzo Cocutti yes. and uh, Dennis Hopper playing Clifford Worley. So uh, uh, pfft, Christian Slater's dad. Uh, what's it? It's not Alabama. And uh, what's the fucking main character's name? Oh, Clarence. Anyway. Uh, you're just like, fucking just, your, fucking, your fucking quote was his name. I know, and you I know, I know, I know. It's just, it just, I had a brain fart there. Um, so that scene, do you know the scene I'm talking about? The Sicilian scene? Yes, I, I've read that apparently back in the day Quentin Tarantino was told this and he was like, Oh my God, this would make a great scene in a movie. And what do you think? Do you think that's not a fucking unbelievable scene that back and forth tit and tat? In it's radio, man. You gotta keep talking. No, no. I was going to say in 1990. Yes. But in no way <laughs> in 2021, the, the accusation that, your your heritage comes from uh, African Americans. I'm not as necessarily. An insult. I'm not necessarily <laughs> talking about the content. I'm talking about the way that scene plays yes, out. Yes, and that's exactly what I said. Like two like, amazing actors at like the top of their game, just in the right moment and just reacting to each other. I mean, it's fucking unbelievable. Yeah, when when walking when walking starts with the oh, do you see this? And then uses his other hand to punch him. He's like, it's never gonna hurt. It's never going to be as good as that. Yeah, it's always <laughs> going to be worse. <laughs> You're going to wish for that one again, right? I haven't killed but... a guy since 1986. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, okay, so obviously we have Gary Oldman playing Drexel, which we've already we've already covered. Fucking unbelievable, unbelievable acting, character acting on his part. Um, so there's that line where he's like, you know who we got here? Mr. Majestic. So I think I brought this up when we were talking about it in three, uh, 310 to Yuma, Yuma. So that Mr. Mr. Majestic line is a reference to a Charles Bronson film written by Elmore Leonard, who also wrote Rum Punch, which was adapted by Tarantino into Jackie Brown. But he also wrote 310 to Yuma. So again, like, you know, a lot of the same people, a lot of the same writing interests and stuff like that, all kind of coalescing in one film. Yeah, you can see he has his... Um his muses right what he wants to work off of especially that young right well and, and tarantino is he says he, he doesn't rip people off he just does like homages to them right like i mean all he, he was basically a movie nerd and just watched movies all the time and made, was like when i make movies i want to make movies that look like all the things i loved growing up you know what i mean yeah which i think that's really every actor every director every writer right well i mean good like. ones i think some some also are just like paycheck artists that go out there and just make movies that studios fucking tell them to make right so so do you have a you do that doesn't mean that fucking everybody else does right oh fuck i wish i could do that i would fucking sell out in a heartbeat right now you're a hollywood whore um do you have a favorite scene it's gonna be funny but when he close to the end Okay. And he, when he goes to pee, and he's literally fucking singing Elvis, peeing. 
Yes. Like it took me a while. Like you mean when Elvis shows up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. They're like, he's like, you did a good job, Clarence. You did a good job. It took me like a fucking long time, like after, because to figure out that was actually Val Kilmer, that he was the one dressed up as, as Elvis in this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He but he originally it, wanted to be uh, like Clarence, right? Okay. No, I'm just saying, like he originally wanted to be Clarence, but they went with Slater, and so then they—that's why, like, that's why he ends up in that kind of like camp cameo role. Like, it's cameo in the sense that it's small, but but you never see his face. That's the thing that I think is hilarious, right? It's he's he's always off focus, right? You just see his body walking around, kind of thing. And and I thought in terms of a choice, and like especially at that time, like Kilmer's huge, fucking right? right he was. Of, like as a star like to not even show his face kind of thing i thought that was pardon the french but amazing like in terms of shot seeing and everything like that well i mean and again we've we've covered like the cast even even though some of them like weren't as famous at the time like brad pitt was already like a like a serious serious act not what he is now but like like you said, Val Kilmer and Brad Pitt, and like I would actually say that, and you know Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman's only on screen for what four minutes or something like that. Like it's a really, really short period of time for an actor of his caliber. And like everybody just kind of knows their place, and they show up, and they fucking you know dominate. Um, both like Michael Rappaport and Pinochet, Pinochet Bronson, who was we know you from like Belky around Bronson Pinochet. Oh, Bronson Pinochet. Sorry, those got mixed up. Uh, who he was fantastic, actually, in Beverly Hills Cop, the original one, and then obviously uh, the other because I think he's in, in the, the other third. Yeah, and uh, but he was great as Belky on, which again you would never strangers. get to make that fucking show today. Um, no, man, just like a fantastic cast all around. Uh, I do want to because, as I said, I always try and bring a Canadian flavor into this. Do you know who what my Canadian flavor is on this film? Um, give me a hint. Uh, Lee Donowitz. Lee Donowitz. So that, so Saul Rubnick's character. Okay. Okay. I guess, I guess I just gave it away. Anyway, I'm going to move on here. Uh, so Saul Rubnick was born in Germany in a displace, uh, displacement camp. So basically after the second world war to Polish Jewish family, which that's just like mind blowing. The idea that like this guy basically his family barely they were hidden from the nazis so he, he's born in basically like the after aftermath of world war ii in something that almost represent like almost is similar to a concentration camp except it's not punitive they moved to canada so he grows up in ottawa becomes uh, a performer he was in the uh, ottawa little theater goes on to actually perform at stratford for those that you don't know like stratford is like our biggest theater festival it's like world-renowned shakespeare uh, he became a co-founder of the Canadian Stage Company, which is still around, you know, today. Uh, and then goes off to Hollywood and does like a fantastic job. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Saul, for all, all the work you've done. He's a trailblazer for I, sure. One hundred percent. I mean, that's a fucking crazy <laughs> story, man. Like, yeah. Uh, um, you know, you know, just like surviving. I mean, it must be weird, like working with Tarantino, and then like he goes and makes a movie like Inglorious Bastards, which actually. Lee Donowitz, the character he plays in this, is essentially a grandson or great grandson of uh, Donnie Donowitz, the the Jew bear in Inglorious Bastards. That's the lineage or whatever. So, 
I didn't know that actually. Like I knew in terms of Tarantino, the Vega brothers, because you know, Vega. But well, and then there's supposedly also one of the characters. I think it might be Mr. White makes a reference to an Alabama in Reservoir Dogs. So, um, but as we talked about at the beginning of the show, a lot of this comes out of a short film. It's about 35 minutes that Quentin Tarantino finished in about 1987 called My Best Friend's Wedding. It's black and white. It's a cool little film. I mean, I rewatched it today. Um, so just some of the direct references that are in True Romance is like the main character's name is Clarence. The whole gorilla animal crackers thing. Uh, Elvis. The, uh, the entire I fuck, I'd fuck Elvis conversation. It's set differently, but that whole like rock, he, that rockabilly, like if I had to fuck a guy, I would fuck Elvis. That's in there. The whole Hulk call girl scene about like trying to get, uh, you know, having that conversation about being a call girl and going and have sex with a friend and da da da. That's all in there. Uh, and, and Kung Fu, like there's so much taken from this short film that ends up as true romance. So yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to get to Jesus, how much? I don't know how much more you want me to say. I love this film. It's like, like I said, I could talk about it all day. Yeah. Uh, would you recommend this film? And if so, who to? No, I think I think everybody else has probably watched this film and hasn't been in the hole that I have. I don't know. Um, I don't know if everybody knows it's also written by Tarantino. So I think there might even be people out there who are like, oh, I love Tarantino, but they haven't seen this film. Well, I think the difference now, too, is there's something called the Internet and IMDb, um, which if they are Tarantino fans, right, they most likely have been on that page. On the right? internet? They've been on yeah, the internet. On the, inter- on the internet. <laughs> They've been on the inters uh, Annette. But I do, I think anybody that's looking for a good action film, a good drama film, um, to be honest, I in terms of the title of romance, I didn't really get it. Um, oh, it's, it's a play that. on, it's a play on comic like book old comics. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm like, uh, he does seem like he, like, nowadays would have mental health issues. I don't know. And it's pretty he... romantic, right? Like, if you, in, in, in a way, right? In that Bonnie and Clyde kind of way, right? But it wasn't like, well, first of all, in terms of, like, the two things I would say in terms of plot, which obviously had to, to be done to get here. One, when he kills, when he kills um, Gary Oldman. Yep. And he's like, just get me Alabama's clothes. That one lady left. Yes. Came with the suitcase. Yes. How did that fucking mess up with cocaine? She like, didn't open literally... the, She doesn't open the suitcase. She just gives him a fucking bag oh. and he rolls out of there. And then number two, when he's having the conversation with, with you know, his mentor in his yep. head, like, listen, he's a pimp. No one's going to care. Yep. No one's going to do anything. When he kills him, wouldn't he have taken his ID off? Because he's like, I need to make sure that there's nothing here. So I- I'm assuming from all the, the people that you've, uh, you've you know, busted a cap in, you- you're-, you're aware of how much adrenaline is probably running through him and that he probably forgot that fucking dude had his license. Go get Go get Alabama. Bring that bitch back here. You know what I mean? So... Anyway, so yeah, uh, would you watch it again? And who would you recommend it to? Well, you asked me that question, but let's do it again. Again, I would watch it again, yes. Um, 
and I'd recommend it to anybody who's honestly looking for a good movie or a good romance uh, movie. It's a good. I think it's a good way if someone's like, oh, I want to watch like a romantic movie. You could be like, it's fucking called True Romance. Like it's the most romantic. <laughs> okay, your definition of romance is totally different than anybody else's, and that could explain why you're single. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, uh, I would recommend it all. And and that's the thing. Like, I'm surprised you didn't like blow this more because. Well, because then, then, then we've, we've had those podcasts where Chris talks all day and Scott chills out. I think it was called promising young women. And we had a guest on and I almost like monopolized that conversation. So I yeah, mean, that's the thing, right? Well, you, you do like. I, I can, the, I can if you want. This is, can... <laughs> this is, you know, the favorite. The we've said it before. The favorite topic of this podcast is you. <laughs> so... how, how do you like your Chris? With Chris. <laughs> With Chris, <laughs> special guest Chris. <laughs> anyway, I highly recommend this movie. Obviously, I mean, if you like Tarantino, if you like action films, uh, yeah, fucking watch this movie. Uh, that's all for me. Anyway, Scott, if you have anything else, and then take us out of here. And that is our rant for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. You can also reach us and interact with us on social media at how do you like that one or email us at how do you like that movie at gmail.com. Were you just expecting to fucking hang out over there and just do nothing or what? No, no. Like, to be to be honest, like, you told me how much you love this movie, right? Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. And I'll be honest, at no point did I get that from you. You're just like, this happened, this is good, this guy's good. It was never, it was never the resonating, like, why you enjoyed this movie so much. Oh, wow. Like, okay. even from back then. And there, that's why I was like, oh, man, I was expecting more. Especially when I was like, this is, the, which is true, this was the first time I watched it, right? Like, I, I thought you were going to gush, like, oh, my God, what about this? Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.